There is something so challenging and good in St. Paul's letter to the Romans when he tells them and us to not only rejoice with those who are rejoicing, but to mourn with those who mourn. And this is challenging because grieving is hard. And accompanying others who are grieving is hard and holy work. So how can we grieve well? Especially when grieving the loss of someone so dear and close to us, like our children. Welcome to Letters to Women. This is a podcast where we explore and embrace what St. Pope John Paul II called the feminine genius, this unique strength and dignity that we have as women and what growing in that looks like in our daily lives. This is not a podcast about defining the quote unquote one perfect way to become a Catholic woman. It's not about shoving yourself into a box or a set of expectations that you never feel like you fit into. Instead, you're going to find conversations with women in a variety of seasons of life and hear about how they're living out their own unique feminine genius. And and these conversations are all offered as an encouragement for you to discover more about who you are and how you are called to live out the feminine genius in your daily life too. My name is Chloe Langer. I'm a Catholic wife and mom living in the heart of the Midwest here in Kansas City. And I'm recording these conversations from my newly refinished dining room table. And today my toddlers are with a friend, so there's no chatty toddler co-hosts in the background, at least for this episode. But it's in these normal daily moments that I have seen the feminine genius at work. And I think that our gifts and our talents as women are so worthy of exploration. And I'm really excited to share this episode with you today. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Kelly Bro. She is the president of Red Bird Ministries, which is a pro-life organization organization that helps ordinary families who are carrying the extraordinary cross of child loss. We're talking about Kelly's story of loss, what it looks like to heal from wounds and then minister to others from those same wounds, how grief can actually be something that strengthens your relationship with your spouse instead of destroying it. I love in this conversation, listening to Kelly weave in scripture to her witness and her wisdom that she shares. And I'm really honored to share her story with you today. So if you are grieving the loss of a child, or if you are walking along someone, who is wishing they were just holding their baby and you want to grow in your ability to love them and their family, sister, this letter, it's for you. This episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by the Little Catholic Box. It's a quarterly subscription box for Catholic women. And each quarter, Erica curates unique and beautiful Catholic items around a spiritual theme. I love being a subscriber. I love opening these boxes every quarter. I love looking around my house as I'm recording this and seeing different items from different Catholic artisans that I was introduced to because of the Little Catholic Box and seeing their items featured in a box. They only offer a limited number of new subscriptions each quarter, and the current sign-up window closes at the end of September which if you're listening when this episode comes out, that's just a few days away. Listeners of the podcast get a sign-up bonus when visiting the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters. So this month, if you sign up for a new subscription, you also get a bonus gift in addition uh, in your first box in early November. And, and this this month's bonus for Letters to Women listeners is a set of beautiful Advent candles. I know I was downstairs in my basement this past week and realized that my uh, my Advent candles are one inch little stubs and they're not going to get me past the first week of Advent. So if you find yourself on the same boat, this is the month to subscribe to the Little Catholic Box. And remember to visit the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters to get your bonus. And there's a new deal every month this year for Letters to Women listeners. So you can check it out at the littlecatholicbox.com slash letters. Now, here's my conversation conversation with Kelly. 
Today, I'm welcoming Kelly Bro to the podcast. Kelly is a writer, an author, and the president of Redbird Ministries, and she considers herself a social butterfly. She has a profound gift of gathering others in community and sharing her heart with those who do not see or value their worth. Over the course of the last 20 years, she's held a few different careers, but her greatest joy is her vocation as a mother, and she loves to use her gift of creativity to make beautiful things for God. Kelly, welcome to Letters to Women. It is so good to have you on the show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. So in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about grief and how it impacts relationships, what it looks like to process through loss and how to accompany those we love who are grieving. But before we dive in, Kelly, could you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Yeah, so I'm a revert. My mother left the church when I was about six years old. So I came back to the faith through my relationship with my husband. So while we were dating, um, one of the things he said to me was, you're cute, but I'm not going to your church. I was kind of offended, <laughs> but you know, as a, as, as I've grown up, become a big girl, I realized, you know, the role of the man and the role of the woman and how beautiful that was that early on, he took that seriously and led us back to our Catholic faith. So that's my, that's my roots. And my story uh, began with me uh, reverting back because I wanted to marry a man. And so I always tell everybody love always converts you, <laughs> whether it's, whether it's, you know, of the flesh, like love of your spouse, your significant other, or the heavenly father is his eternal love. That's so good. I love it. How blunt too. <laughs> I'm not going to. Your <laughs> well, there's no, you're not cutting any corners here. I know how you feel. <laughs> Kelly, I first encountered you online because you're the president of Redbird Ministries, which is a national nonprofit organization that's dedicated to supporting families who are grieving the loss of a child. Can you tell me a little bit about the origin story of this ministry and what Redbird's ministry's vision and mission is? Yeah, so my losses um, started in 2005. We delivered our twins at only 28 weeks. My son contracted pseudomonas sepsis in the NICU and he passed away at only 15 days old. And then my daughter in 2009, she came, actually came home from the hospital. We were enjoying her and um, she contracted H1N1, which is swine flu and passed away one month shy of her fourth birthday. And then we've had two pregnancy losses in 2012 and recently in 2022, 11-week uh, miscarriage of our son, Christian Ryan, and our daughter uh, at six weeks, uh, Eva Catherine. After the death of Talon and Emma, um, what I realized was that the church provided the Christian rite of burial. They were so good to us during that time, so gentle and loving and caring. But after the funeral, there was almost like a divorce. And I felt like when I needed the church the most, they abandoned me. And not because in, it was intentional. It just was because there was no support. There was nowhere for my grieving heart to land. I had to make sense out of death and dying and all the questions that come after that in the secular world. And when you're trying to <clears throat> make sense out of death and dying without God, nothing makes sense. I was sent out into the world looking and searching for healing in all the wrong places. And it felt so hopeless. I felt so uh, forgotten, overlooked. And all the things that come into grief, it really started to destroy my identity. And I forgot who I was. I forgot that I was first daughter because the pain of grief, it overshadows all the things that you know, all the things that you, all the truths that you know, it overshadows all of that. And the way that the enemy was whispering in my ear was just like he did it 
to even the garden. God is not good, you know. And and He entered that space into the, to my identity, and it re- it wrecked my relationship with Christ. In 2015, I lost my mother, and um, in t- in 2016, I began a journey back to faith when a friend invited me to make my crucio and. That's when I encountered Christ in this most profound experience on that weekend. And I remember like walking away from that with one very changed, like Mary Magdalene and the chosen. I met this man and nothing was the same, but also understanding that I never really had a relationship with, with Jesus. I knew who he was but I never really had encountered him that way and had been convicted and changed. And so I experienced a profound healing that weekend through the sacraments and trying not to unpeel a a layer of what's happened to you in, in your life through spiritual direction. I realized one profound thing was that I was trying to carry the cross of child loss and whatever it looks like in your life, whatever your cross looks like, I was trying to carry my cross in mortal sin. And I did not have the strength and the ability to do that. The only way that you can carry a cross this magnified is if you're living a life of grace, if you're living a sacramental life in sanctifying grace, that's the only way that you have the ability to do that. And so everything after that, of course, makes sense. It makes sense backwards, um, but I didn't see that. And so when I left that experience, knowing what happened from from personal experience, not because anybody told me the sacraments heal. I actually was healed from the sacraments. I realized like the woman at the well, you have to tell everybody about this because people can't see through grief. Grief clouds your brain. It clouds your view of your faith. It clouds your view of God. It clouds your view of life. You Nothing makes sense to you anymore. And so I felt convicted when I left that people have to know about this. And people have to know about it, not from an intellectual aspect, because like I said, all of that went out the window the day that my son died. Nothing about my faith made sense to me anymore because my heart was broken. It was pierced and it was bleeding. I needed someone who had been in that experience to walk beside me and help me to regain my footing. And so that accompaniment that I longed for that was missing from the church, I felt like God was asking our family to create something that would provide a space and not just in my local community, but a space that would allow not only to be, to support the families in our community that we serve, but to be able to teach what we know, provide also encouragement and formation for other people who feel the same as we do. And so Red Burden Ministries was formed in 2018 with, like we were saying, basically just a desire to serve the the families in our community. Um, But when we looked around and was trying to search for that manual on how you do this or the ministry in the box model to implement in our diocese, there was none. I felt kind of like, why does this not exist? The church has been making sense of death and dying for over 2000 years and the The Catholic Church does not have a universal, nationwide, universal throughout the whole church, apostolate that speaks to death and dying and grief. And I realized 
through building Redbird that it's because it's so hard. It's so hard for people to recover over their own grief and then go back to those places. But it is exactly what the Lord has called us to do. We can't just like on the transfiguration, like Peter wants to pitch tents because you finally see God in glory. You finally feel like there's hope. You you know, he's talking to Elijah, like there was like a foreshadow of heaven. So it's like, of course we want to stay in that place of comfort. But Jesus tells us like, no, you go down off the mountain and you make disciples of all nations. And I realized that going back to those places that were hard for me was actually the place that was healing me. And so like, there's this almost like this, you know, this this disillusionment with if we go back, that it's going to be, it's going to be hard. I'm never going to recover from that. Or it's going to be too painful to be able to, you know, to minister out of our wounds. But it's precisely how Jesus enters the upper room when they're, they're hiding, they're in fear. He shows his wounds, not to say, look what I did for you. It's precisely because when he shows us his wounds, it's an invitation for us to show ours. It's the Christian way to go. We have to meet people in their most difficult moments and proclaim Christ crucified and say, he did this for us. This world is, yes, it's a, it's a world, a culture of death like we live in, but our hope is of heaven. And if we walk together wound to wound and we allow our wounds to touch others' wounds, we open that portal for Christ to touch our wounds. And ultimately, that's when we are healed. It's when we empty ourselves out of ourself and allow ourselves to be vessels to these other men and women that Christ can come in in that darkness and just shatter it. And that's that's the position that we've taken with Redbird because we know that when people are living in grace, that power of healing is profound. And what God does in the, in those moments is not remove our situation like my child, my children are still dead. I still long to hold them. I still love them. I still want them here with me. But what he did was he took away those horrible memories that had been embedded in my head of the day they died. That was keeping me up all night. He took away the anxiety. He took away the fear of losing again. He took away the feeling of unworthiness for, for running from the cross. And he replaced that with his love. And so when we talk about healing, again, the situation is still there. It's not a magic pill. Like that's not how Christ enters our lives. Like he, he comes in and he, um, it's a mystery. It really, really is. But just like Mary Magdalene, the chosen, like I, I felt that I, I met the healer and something was different and my life has never been the same. Kelly, I can hear this in your voice and the way you tell the story, but also I love how you use the word in your witness as well. Just conviction. I can just hear that conviction and thinking of the difference between how the Holy Spirit has worked in your life to convict you of this ministry and the importance of it versus how in your grieving process, the devil was working to condemn you and to see the healing. Like you said, it makes sense backward, right? When you're looking back at it it makes sense in in right we won't know all the ways it makes sense until we get to heaven and man I'm looking forward to that day because that's going to be incredible but even here on earth to get a glimpse of how it makes sense backward and the conviction that you have that's an incredible gift living in that fear and it allowing every decision I made was in the fear of losing again so I was parenting out of fear I was loving out of fear I was 
not in a good place. And it's a very scary place to be. And if no one is, is speaking truth over your lies, you remain in that darkness. I felt like I was on a hamster on the wheels. Like, can somebody please come help me off? But you, you can't even find the words to do so. It's like you have no grief language. You don't know you don't know the words to explain to, to someone exactly how you feel. You just know you're miserable. And you and misery loves company sometimes. It's like you need those people, those strong people in your life to come and say, you're getting off of this wheel. We're 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 going in a different direction. And I think that's that's the profound vision of Redbird. It's like these these families who have been healed, that are living their their life in grace, that goes into the into those tunnels, they go back down and help people to climb up and they're not afraid of it because they know the power of Christ. They know the power of his healing. And so instead of turning our back on people who are suffering, it's like you have to you have to remember like people respond out of their wounds. And it's almost like a war cry, I feel like when I when I see someone who is who just is is in that terrible space and and the way they you know, the way they clench their grief. I always say I white knuckled my grief because I thought once I stopped grieving that my child's memory would die. And that's not the truth at all. It's not the truth because my child's memory lives in me sharing my witness to others. Even hearing your child's name, hear your children's names in your witness, being able to hear them and say them and how, like you said, that brings their memory to you and to others and how that's happening by sharing your story and their story as well. And I think, yes, I think there is such a, a fear that comes from, well, if I go back and I tell that story again and again, it's just going to start the grieving process over again. But like you said, that's a lie. That's not how, that's not how wounds work or how Christ works through our wounds. A lot of people who are listening to this podcast have lost a child in, in some way, shape or form in different seasons of a child's life. But I know many of the women who listen to this show have lost children to miscarriage. And, and I think there's a temptation to not include that in a category of child loss to when we're, when we're having this conversation to write it off as I, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't count. Um, and I think that's especially true in today's society that just doesn't recognize the beauty and sacredness of, of life from the moment of conception. Can you tell me a little bit about the support that Redbird offers for women and for couples who are losing children, who have lost a child to miscarriage, but then also what can we do better as a church um, and as individuals within the church to honor the life of children lost to miscarriage? I always tell the faithful that there is danger in using the words of I was only because we hear that over and over and over when people feel unworthy to come into support, uh, you know, with Redbird, um, because, you know, there are other people that have different experiences, um, but that danger of using those words, I was only because that that was a child. And I want to know all my children that I'm going to meet in heaven. So we've gifted them with names. We named our child. We named our children. The church, yes, the church can do better. And I feel like the way that we will have and build a culture of life is if we start to speak more into the the beauty and the gift of life um, from conception to natural death. And that's including these babies um, who died through miscarriage and these families who love them. It's, I think the idea that they're unworthy is, it just breaks my heart because we hear those words come to us all the time. And then to call them mother and father, even though their child has died, because they are, they are a mother. 
They are a father. And one of the most beautiful things my uh, my friend Elizabeth Leon um, shared this weekend, we had a grieving mother's retreat, was that, you know, when her son, John Paul Raphael, died, her motherhood was not over. It was magnified. And I just thought that was so beautiful because it's like this redemption of, of her motherhood. It's that she's receiving all these families into Redbird, just like on the cross, when Jesus gave Mary to John, it's Mary's motherhood was magnified. It's the same way as us. Like we get to receive others who are going through this. I just, for me, if you know someone who's experienced the loss of a child, make sure you, through especially through miscarriage, their due date, like put that little note in your phone and make sure you walk with your friend through that time, that's important. Also their first birthday. A lot of times people forget, you know, they they know you experienced the miscarriage and they're they're empathetic, but then they forget like there's a due date that's coming and then there's a first birthday that's coming. And that is just it's it's like those seven sorrows. They continue to come. They your heart continues to be pierced. First day of school. That was hard for me, the first day of school. And then throughout the years when school starts Sometimes I still feel that way. It's hard for me to look at back to school pictures. Um, so just reaching out to your friends for those who um, haven't lost a child. And then for those who have, um, we have an app now. It's uh, It was gifted to us by the OSV Innovation Grant that we won last year. So it's allowed us to speak into the church as a whole with the app. We a way that anyone, no matter if you're in Australia or the United States or Europe, Wherever you are, you can come into community with with someone who's experienced a similar loss as you. You can download it through the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Um, we also have in-person events that you can come to. Um, we have dioceses that we're partnering with. So as our ministry grows, you'll be able to find those places closer to you. Um, but at our mom's retreat this past weekend, we had 10 moms that traveled into um, the state of Louisiana, we had the retreat in Southern Louisiana, but we had a mom from Wisconsin, one from Washington state, two from Ohio, one from Illinois, two from Florida, two from Texas. So I think the desire to find that healing is opening up their hearts to be able to, to travel, to find that support that they need. I love the different the different options that you guys offer to meet women, to meet couples who are grieving. One thing that really struck me as I was getting to learn more about your ministry is that you're a ministry that's run by couples for couples. And that's, I think that's so important. Can you talk a little bit about how grieving the loss of a child can impact a marriage and how your ministry helps couples communicate through their grief, especially for couples who are grieving the loss of a child, but are grieving and working through that grieving process very differently from the way their spouse is processing that same loss. Yeah. So men and women experience everything differently. They communicate differently. Most of us, if we've had good marriage prep, will learn this early on, but I think it doesn't really show its true value until you experience suffering. And so Ryan and for Ryan and I, you know, we experienced the same crisis. We were living through the same crisis, but then we never talked about it. And so we were both trying to tiptoe around one another. You know, what it did was it drew us apart. There was like this invis- invisible wedge that had like sliced 
its way into our marriage. I always joke that, you know, like when we were dating and for us getting married, you know, we would sit next to each other in the vehicle and our friends would joke and say that we were popsicling. I was like, what is that? <laughs> like the twin pops. Like we were so in love. And then, you know, we get married and, you know, just life happens. And I, like, I found myself as, you know, the woman typically is the emotes their grief. I felt so emotionally abandoned by Ryan because he was just trying to propel the family forward. He was trying to make sure we had, he, you know, he, he didn't lose his job. He was, you know, making sure we had health insurance and that we had food on our table. And so his grief really got put on the back burner and he focused himself to try to make sure that I did not lose my mind. And so he was giving me the space to grieve. And all the along, I thought he was abandoning me emotionally. But because we never talked about it, this there was this this lie that he didn't love me, that he didn't love our children, that he wasn't sad, um, but he would cry all the way to work and all the way back. And he would pray all the way to work and all the way back. He would never tell me about it because there was this fear that I would not be able to handle his grief. And it really it really like it it almost nearly destroyed us because of course when you're hurting you say mean things and so i would say things to him that of course i did not believe or that i didn't want to say and it nearly like i said destroyed us and so one of the things that has been so deeply in my heart is to help men and women understand you know god created us differently but complementary and we're not supposed to experience that grief the same. We're going to grieve differently, but we have to yoke ourselves together and walk together on this journey because that your spouse is the only other person who knows what it's like to lose that child. That is your grief part. That's your first grief partner. That is the person that you should be talking about how you feel to. They're not going to understand it and you can't expect them to because the mother's loss feels different than the dad's loss, but it doesn't mean that one experiences more profoundly the loss or that, that they love their child differently. It just means that we're, we're, we're created differently by God. The mother has a space for another. Her womb bears a space to receive an immortal soul. And the man is trying to figure that out of what that looks like to, to actually grow that child. Typically, a man will fall in love with a child before it's born, but he doesn't actually really understand until he sees that child's that child's face. And so, it does look differently. The grief does look differently um, in a man and a, in a woman. But we, you, you have to yoke yourself together so that your marriage can survive this loss. The st- statistics say that seventy percent of couples who experience loss five to ten years post loss will experience or go through either a separation or divorce. And it's because we don't talk about how we feel. We don't have grief language. We feel if we emote our grief or we show vulnerability to the other, that we're weak. In actuality, I mean, it's what Jesus did on the cross. Like when he was naked, crucified, he was the most vulnerable. And that's like when the enemy thought that he had overcome him. But that was whenever it was the most profound event in history when he was actually the strongest. So when we allow ourselves, when we humble ourselves and we allow ourselves to be shown most intimately to our spouse, that's actually when our marriage becomes the strongest. So don't fall temptation to the enemy that 
if I tell my husband how I feel, especially the women, because I know I felt this way. If I tell him how I really feel, he'll think I'm crazy. And that is a lie. That is a lie because Ryan, when I finally told him how I really felt, he had so much empathy and so much compassion. And he could finally understand, oh, this is why she's having a bad day. This makes sense. Use your words. You have to use your words. Kelly, I could talk to you for three hours, but (laughs) (laughs) but I have two quick questions for you uh, um, as we close out the interview. So for people who want to continue a conversation with you and want to learn more about Redbird Ministries, you talked about how to download the new app that you guys launched, but how can they find you online and connect with Redbird? Yeah. So if you go to www.redbird.love and if you click the the tab on the top uh, for Families of Loss, get support now. You can connect with us there. We do offer spiritual direction for our families of loss. We have weekly check-in calls that you can um, join us on Thursdays. We do have one-on-one comfort calls too. Um, but our director of family life, a director of family support, sorry, Elizabeth Leon, um, she does those one-on-one calls. And there's a bunch of other types of support that you can find online, our blogs, resources, books. Um, et cetera. The last question that I have for you is a question that I ask every woman who comes on the podcast as we explore what it means to be a Catholic woman in today's world. And it's this one. How do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life, especially as a woman who accompanies ordinary families who are carrying this extraordinary cross of child loss? I always, always think about Mother Mary whenever I think about the encounter she had with Elizabeth. Um, and I wasn't lost. It was they were bearing a child and just that desire to be with one another in that same situation, in the same circumstances. I think the visitation is just a beautiful way to look at how we encounter another as, as a woman. And I think it's genius because like, this is a, this is a call from God. Like this is our beautiful blessed mother. She's our perfect role model. And she's also a grieving mother too, but just the desire to be with other women so that together, just the the gift of our love and how we love people and how we receive people um, can just be modeled through society. And I think it's, it's a beautiful gift that we have been given. I think it's a beautiful gift. That's why we call the church uh, mother. Um, I think it's just beautiful how a mother, a woman receives another and for me, that's that's how I'm trying to live out my vocation as wife and as mother and as friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing your story, for sharing the mission of Redbird Ministries and yeah, for just the, a chance to get to sit down and chat with you this morning. This has been lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Letters to Women. You can check out the show notes for my conversation with Kelly on my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com. Or if you're listening in a podcast player, you can just scroll down to see links to find out more about Redbird Ministries online and through their new app. And Kelly and I were chatting after we finished recording, and she was telling me that she just wrapped up recording reflections on the Hallow app that will come out to commemorate Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. And that's coming up on October 15th. So make sure to, around October 15th, log into the Hallow app and you'll be able to continue praying reflecting with Redbird Ministries on Hallow in just a couple of weeks. In the show notes, you'll also find a link to the Little Catholic Box. They're the sponsor for today's episode. And if you listen to this podcast and you love the conversations and the guests we're having on the show, please leave a rating and review, especially if you're listening in iTunes. That just helps more women be able to find these conversations, especially conversations like this, to know that they're not alone, um, whether they're grieving or in their exploration of the feminine genius. If you're accompanying a friend who's grieving the loss of a child, please consider sharing this episode with her and all of the empathy and the wisdom that Kelly shared, as well as connecting her with Red Bird Ministries. You can hit subscribe 
wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episode. The fall is full of conversations about the feminine genius and our intellectual life as women, healing from sexual addiction and dismantling this lie that sexual addiction is just a guy's problem. And there's so much more. I cannot wait to share more with you uh, while I'm booking these interviews for the end of the year. I'm just so excited to continue to, to discover more about the feminine genius because there's more depth to explore and I love exploring it with you. If you ever want to share a guest recommendation, someone you'd love to see on the show, or even just talk about your experience as a listener, you can send me an email at letters to women at gmail.com. I love connecting with you and hearing about your story as a Catholic woman and as a listener to the show. That's all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.